Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. I'm Courtney and we are still in the pandemic. I don't think we're going to be out of this pandemic anytime soon, Courtney. No, yeah, you're right. It's going to be next year, year from today, we'll still be uh, talking pandemic. <laughs> so on that, on that bright note. Yay! <laughs> so we're going to talk today about <laughs> back to school a little bit. Awesome. That has been on everybody's minds. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions from friends and colleagues who know about me and what I do. And uh, I think they think I have some answers. <laughs> and I think I disappoint them all. <laughs> well, I think everybody that I talk to is like, yeah, things are going to be different. Yep. And that's the conversation. <laughs> that's it. It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to bring this one up today. So cool. I, I am reading an article from Education Week that okay. was put out uh, today, actually. Oh, nice. We're uh, current. So we are very yes. current. Uh, it is an article that we will link to in the notes uh, if yeah. our social media people remember to do that. Uh, I mean, note, note yeah. to self. Yeah. Uh, me, I pulled it in the notes. You put it on the Twitter. Uh, it's called Six Ways to Bring Students and Staff Back to Schools. All right. So, and where is this from again? This is from Education Week. Okay. And so uh, this is by, the author is Madeline Will. And they talk to, uh, it says more than a dozen experts, including public health officials, education leaders, and superintendents, to determine a list of a half dozen potential models. So I thought today oh, okay. we could so go through was, them. I was going to ask you that. Is this more about like the social emotional slant of like how do you welcome kids back or is this more about like the models of logistically how do we actually start school again that would be the second one okay how do we actually start school because uh today as we record it is june 11th mm -hmm. and some schools around the country are coming back potentially in like six weeks yeah uh so this is seems like summer is just starting but it's really fast because school mm -hmm. is coming back. Uh, maybe, probably not. Uh, but let's go through these six things and give our thoughts. <laughs> My guess is it's Spoiler not. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of the Arrested Development part where the narrator comes in and says, school did not reopen. Yes. So. <laughs> All right, so let's go through these. All right. uh, the first one is called about phased reopening. Sure. And it says how it works is that schools bring back only some students at first to avoid crowding buildings okay. and make it easier to adhere to social distancing. For example, you could bring back one or two grade levels mm -hmm. while the rest of them continue to learn remotely. Yep. And as conditions improve, you can gradually welcome more back until you reach full capacity. Sure. Another option of that is opening one day a week with students continuing to to learn remotely the other four days and they're wait, in wait, wait. is that is that like model number two or nope is that, this is the another version so... of phased reopening okay I have so questions, but continue. sure so you're open one day a week and you're divided into groups okay and that group comes to school on monday another group comes on tuesday and the other four days are just remote for whoever you yep. are yeah and as risk to health decrease the number of days a week that you come back uh, could go from one to two to three sure. to four to five eventually. So there's some pros and cons here, but uh, give me your thoughts immediately. 
Oh gosh, my thoughts immediately are that this is the kind, both of these are the kind of plans I've been hearing most okay. talked about. Okay. Um, where I go next is how are you deciding who comes back? Well, let's look at the pros and cons. Yeah. And the cons, the very first thing is deciding who comes back first won't yeah. be easy. No. Is it younger kids or older right. kids? It says but there the, are more options than just younger kids and older kids. And this is where I think people are yep. getting stuck is that um, you need to put your equity lens on mm -hmm. and even your justice lens on. I saw a really great graphic recently. I don't want to take us down a, a rabbit hole, um, but that needs to be a part of this decision making. I don't think it's necessarily the best move to say, oh, the kindergartners come back first. Okay. Or I've heard, and I've heard that, and I've also heard the juniors come back first. Mm -hmm. And the logic behind the juniors coming back first is really interesting. Um, my question is, who needs to be coming back first? Mm -hmm. I get. I think we'll get to that in one of the other models that they have. Oh, okay. I think right. that'll that'll help some of your questions. I'm too progressive for number one. I suppose. <laughs> it is just the first one. We got six of these. <laughs> uh, some of the pros that they mentioned for this one is uh, basically it allows schools to more easily scale back operations if there's yeah. another wave later, mm -hmm. which is true. And it says helps build the confidence of students, parents, and staff as they gradually return to school. I'm not okay. sure about. That. Uh, I was like. Uh, that the, feels like a like we're searching for a positive. I think so too. Uh, I'd like the second one where they they can easily scale back if there's another wave. Yeah. That that totally makes sense to me because all the things that I hear and read about is that we're having at least a second wave come back in the fall when yeah. it gets a little cooler. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. So that one was like, eh, phase three opening, eh. Yeah. Uh, number two, a multi-track system. So <laughs> my, my eyes have narrowed. Listeners. That's just what I was going to yeah, say. It's like, she's already skeptical. I'm already like, hmm, say more. <laughs> okay. So this one, this is how this works. Schools operate on a track schedule with groups of students in school buildings on different days and engaging in remote learning where they're home. For example, different? for example, one <laughs> cohort of students comes to school on Mondays and Wednesdays. Another one comes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and everybody stays home Fridays. Another, okay. ver another version is that you divide into three groups and have classes every third day. In mm -hmm. this model, special ed students, English language learners, and other vulnerable children, like homeless students, attend classes in person every day. Oh, okay. So that was, gets back to what you mentioned a couple of minutes yeah. ago, is like uh, our more vulnerable population. Uh, our yeah. more needy population for in-person learning would be able to be in all the groups basically and show up every day. Okay, interesting. Uh, some of the pros, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, do the thoughts I, thing I, first. I think like, um, I yeah, this is another plan that I've heard variations of. Um, I like that it takes into account kind of the needs and the vulnerabilities of learners mm -hmm. um, and feels a little bit more equitable and thoughtful than just, you know, uh, hey, you're in cohort A and you come back this day. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I just, there's so many, like, 
yeah, just keep going. Okay. So the, the pros for this one, uh, keep keeping buildings empty on Fridays allows for regular deep cleaning without disruption. It is ensures that students who need, right. who need more in-person instruction can be in schools every day, which addresses a lot of big equity concerns. We just mentioned that. Uh, cons, some families may object to allowing only certain students to attend, uh, to attend school daily. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's well, gonna happen. Yep, that's gonna it, happen in all of the models. In all of them. That's the thing. This also poses a childcare challenge for working parents. Well, all of them do. All of them have all that. of them do. Yeah. So that's a con for like everyone. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that is our second one, a multi-track system. The next one I've heard, and the more I think about this one, is it's terrible. <laughs> Oops, did I spoil it? Uh, staggered schedules. Half of oh. students come to school in the morning while the other half comes in the no. afternoon. No, this isn't going to work. They divide the students based on grade levels or alphabetically in order to keep siblings on the same schedule. Uh, the, this is like the worst one. I yeah, there's Just imagine so... all the buses running around. Right, or, right. That's like, okay, yeah, uh, buses, lunch. Like there's just too many logistics and tied costs to that one that are astronomical. Let's make that one go away. Here is my, uh, here's the one that uh, I really want your thoughts on. Uh -huh. We'll get to, actually, you know what? We're gonna skip that one and we'll do it last. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're gonna talk more about this one. Okay. All right, so uh, let's go to number six on this one, actually. We'll go back six by four here. Uh, number six is a year-round schedule. Yeah. So the school divides students into groups. A cohort attends school for a set period, nine weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it is, while the other cohorts participate in remote learning. The okay. groups rotate at the end of each period. Breaks, are, breaks from schooling would be more frequent, but shorter than the traditional 10-week summer vacation. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea of year-round schooling at all. I think where we are generally as a society, I think it actually does make sense. I'm not crazy about the like, I think, I think the length of time would have to be considered. Um, I think some, I think that if there were some really creative thinking educators, they could absolutely make this work. Mm -hmm. What I do like about the idea that like kind of you know, okay, for this learning session, you're in person and the other group is out, that that actually feels like a much more manageable system as far as physical distancing, right? And limiting mm -hmm. how many people are in and out of a school and contact with others. Mm -hmm. You're kind of building in almost like the quarantine, right? Like, so if you've got, if, if one group is together for six weeks, then theoretically, after the first two, you know, um, you have a better picture of what having all those people together is actually going to do health-wise. So I think that's a good segue into number five. Oh, hey, look at that. It's called the cyclical lockdown strategy. Terrible I'm a fan name. Of that name. <laughs> Terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> but how it works is that uh, school, buildings, school buildings regularly alternate between being open and closed, with students staying home for a minimum of 10 days during closure periods. 
students attend school for one full week, followed by two weeks of remote learning at home. Obviously in, in groups somehow, so rotating groups. Yeah, there's gotta be, so that it's not too It's not everyone, right. but say, let's say you're gonna do, you're gonna have three groups, okay. right? So you have one group that uh, goes to school, the other two groups are home. Yeah. The next week, group B comes in. Yeah. Group A and C are at home. Then yeah. the week after that, group C comes in, A and B at home. So you're on one, off two, basically. Gotcha. So the teachers are always there, though. Teachers are always there, which is the unfortunate part. Right. Uh, but this one does say about the, it allows the virus to re peak infectiousness during at-home weeks because you're yeah. home for a couple of, couple of full weeks. So That's anybody true. that... Uh, gets any symptoms at the end of the two weeks, just doesn't come to school that next week. And now you know, uh, you, so you're not always wondering. That's true. That's true. So something that is also a piece of all of these plans is the teachers. Mm -hmm. If you have teachers always teaching learners in front of them in person, how are they also managing the at-home learners? There's a lot of questions for all of these. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I, I know you don't have an answer to that. I'm just kind not. of putting, putting that out there as like, that's another question. So let's do, let's do the last one. And then we'll uh, just kind of, <laughs> this, this is my favorite one. Like for you, sarcastic for you. favorite? <laughs> oh, <Okay>. yes. <laughs> it's the, as it turns out, this is the CDC's recommended strategy. Oh, great. Which is, uh, as we, did we talk about this before, the CDC guidelines? I don't know. Oh, they're not good. Uh, they're unworkable. Oh, spoiler alert, darn it. How it works, the bubble strategy. The same group of students stays together for all oh, or yeah. most of the day with the right. same teacher or yep. teachers. Yes. Students remain in a single classroom all day, all day. even for lunch. Yep. If needed, different teachers rotate in while the students stay put. Right. Younger students need to forego electives like art and phys ed. Yep. or those teachers provide a lesson to the homeroom teacher. Students might also take those elective classes online at home. Mm -hmm. The pros, this is the CD's recommended approach. Yeah, it also recommends having two teachers in the room for, for 10 students. Mm -hmm. One teacher is the teacher and the other is basically the physical distancing and hygiene monitor. <laughs> is that a title that, that you're putting out there? I, I hygiene am monitor? Proposing, but physical distancing and hygiene monitor. Uh, one of the cons are obviously you're confined <laughs> to a single space for extended yeah. periods. Well, yeah, that's hard. And classrooms might not be large enough to accommodate social distancing measures if the entire student body is in the building at once. No, well, no, we know that that can't happen. That's not gonna happen. We are not going to be in a place where it's going to be okay for 25 plus. And that's, you know, I'm in Maine where it's something more as like 18 is the norm. But in many other places, it's more like 25, 30. And we are not in a place, nor will we be come August or September, where we can have that many people in an enclosed space at the same time. So, correct. I would agree. <laughs> and uh, here in California, obviously, I've been looking at their, their like 35 to 40 is the average yeah. class size as you get older. And I don't, I've seen some of the classrooms. Uh, they're not that big. No. To put six feet in between the desks. Yeah. Um, none of this, any of these six, uh, talk about learning at all. 
No. They just talk about keeping kids away from each other. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's the point of the article. I, I get it, is how do you logistically open school? But nowhere in any of these things am I hearing anything about, well, what's the learning like if you have the same 10 kids in your classroom all day long, every day, mm-hmm. and they can't leave. They, lunch is brought to them. They can't yeah, leave. It sounds awful. It sounds awful. In a recess, it says a little aside here, students stay in the same small group. Mm-hmm. So you and got your, can't go near each other. And right. probably, yeah. They have so, to distance and they're in the small group in the same room all day, every day. And there's, there's no learning talking about any of these particular things. And I think that might be a mistake mm-hmm. if that's not brought up in some of these uh, logistical articles like this one. Uh, again, not the point of this. I get it. Right. But how does the learning come into effect when we're talking about that parents may not even want to send their kids back, but yeah. they still need to do school. So how is that, how are the districts and the schools trying to figure that out? Like, what does the learning look like? Not the physical distancing part. And I'm not reading any of these things out there. And it is worrisome to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think, like, I haven't seen a whole lot of writing actually about the learning itself. I have seen a few people kind of poking their head up and being like, hey, this is a really great time to rethink learning mm-hmm. and to really for reals this time people for reals do some, you know, more interesting project based interdisciplinary type work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear my colleagues talking about that very thing about how the learning um, needs. Yeah needs to be different and should be different also um i i think it's because a lot of people want to know the i was about to say the how before we get to the what yep that's Um, exactly what i thought you were going to say but that's not entirely right in my head because the how could also be the learning. So like in my head, I was kind of like, nah, it doesn't make sense to me. But I think that that's more or less where people are stuck, right? And it's a, it's a smaller group of people that are thinking about the learning. I was talking with a group yesterday and tried to get them to come to the point that they were thinking about why they have kids in their schools Mm. and what the whole point is before you try to figure out like how am I actually going to do this this year because if you don't have that why you're just scrambling around the whole time trying to figure out how to put the desks far apart and you know and put masking tape on the floor and this is Courtney's spot and this is Matt's spot and you can't (laughs) go out and you know like in the Brady Bunch when they they split the bedrooms so how the how is there but if nobody's talking about the learning like the, the why part right we we talked yeah. about the why for years on this podcast and if that's not the first thing that we think of and then everything falls from there i think districts and schools are going to fall a little bit and flounder and get super frustrated because they're trying to figure out the how but forget about the learning right and that's super frustrating 
because everybody also always wants to find out how we're going to do this. Yeah. Right. It's, it's two months away. How are we going to do this? But I would think as you just brought up with the project-based learning, like why do we do this? We, we want our kids uh, to be engaged and have agency in their learning. Right. Uh, and if we are focused on keeping them six feet apart in a bubble all day, then the learning kind of takes second, third, fourth place because kids follow the adults lead. And they're going to be focused on keeping apart rather than learning. And yeah. we, we need to facilitate that more um, as leaders. Buddha us. Yeah. But I think, I think the, the article's good because some of these questions do need to be raised. Mm-hmm. But uh, as always, we need to focus on the learning first. And then the rest, the rest can fall, fall out of it. And we always look for ideas. Yeah. We always look for ideas on, on how to do things differently in schools. And you're right, those the, they are bubbling up, but I need to see more of it before it actually starts happening. Right. So did we just end this on a depressing note? We did. Awesome. So <laughs> you <laughs> can respond to us at PLearnMC, basically everywhere, every social media platform, except uh, what, TikTok. We don't have TikTok. TikTok. I'm sure there's lots of social media platforms, platforms that we're not on. We're just, we're just, uh, we're on the good ones. Well. Are we? No, I don't know about that I don't even know about that. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have our own website. You can always go to our uh, parking lot and put up your questions slash comments uh, slash ideas. Yeah. And uh, let us know what's happening out there. And uh, we will talk sometime soon.